following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, Drew Uwatu the Watcher. Upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, I'm joined, as I always am, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm not too bad, pal. Um, was that a Mandalorian reference? Uh, no, it's a, it's a Marvel reference, ah. this one. Uh, you may remember, I think Uatu made one appearance where Stan Lee is, is sitting on the moon with a bunch of guys with weird bald heads. Yes, that's right. Is that right. Doctor Strange? I think it was. Yeah, and uh, so Uatu the Watcher is like this bald character with a massive head that, uh, to cut a, long, a very long story short, he shows up and observes significant events in the Marvel, uni- Marvel Universe. Okay. I, th- I yeah. think you, I, you did tell me about this guy before, yes. Yeah, there's a great uh, there's a great um, Marvel comic called um, Original Sin, where the Watcher is assassinated and someone takes his eye. Ah, it's uh, yeah, it's good stuff. But uh, yeah, apart from nerdy comic book references, more <laughs> of which we will be talking about in a couple of minutes, actually. Uh, yeah, how has your your week been? Yeah, it's been fine. You know, nothing special. It's we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. I've watched a little bit of old wrestling. I've watched a few bits on Disney+. Plus. I mean, it's been a good week. Yeah. I mean, I suppose on the, the topic of comics and geek stuff and watching stuff on Disney+, Plus, um, your odyssey into the Marvel Cinematic Universe has now tipped over into television. And not just television, but WandaVision. WandaVision, yeah. The, the new series, the, uh, the one they're releasing weekly, aren't they? Uh, yeah, the the Disney Plus model for this seems to be kind of like um, the way Amazon do it, where it's mm-hmm. like we'll drop two episodes at the start and then go weekly. Yeah, um, so. that's what Amazon were doing for like the boys and stuff. Mm. Which I had also started watching on Fellow, but I need to get back into it. Um, but yeah, no one division. What have what's your initial thoughts? So I. I you see, I was somebody, and I, I've seen people's mileage really varies on the show, but I was somebody who grew up watching old sitcoms on like Channel 4 or, or Tina G, the, mm-hmm. the Irish language station here. So I watched a lot of I Love Lucy and a lot of Bewitched. I was just going to say Bewitched. Um, what was the other one? There was another one that used to be on regularly. Uh, I Dream of Jeannie. I think it was I Dream of Jeannie, yes. Yeah. Oh man, I have a, 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 like the the shite I would watch growing up. Like I'd say I've seen almost every episode of Happy Days as well, even though I grew up about twenty years and an Atlantic Ocean away from where that show aired. 
because they used to show that like in double builds on Channel Four, I think, in the mornings. It um, sounds like something Channel Four would have done, all right. Yeah, but I've the, the, really the home of Italian football and happy days. You know why not? Oh, what what more would you want? Count down. Um, but I've really been enjoying WandaVision because I think like for me anyway, two episodes in, um, I I kind of have an idea where it's going based on a like a couple of things those characters have done throughout the comics, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to get your spin on things, seeing as you you haven't read. Um, many Marvel comics. Annie. Um, cer- <laughs> or, yeah, I was going to say, certainly not as many as me. Um, but uh, to me, I love how authentic the, the old school sitcom vibes are. Like, it really feels like an e- watching an episode, like the first episode very much feels like I Love Lucy. The second episode feels very much like Bewitched. And just from the, the trailers, it seems like every episode is going to closely mirror some sort of one of those old sitcoms mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm really excited to, to get more of it my main downside of it is that we only got two episodes and i love uh for once instead of like trying to fit too much shit into one film or one arc or something like that it's a real slow burn as mm-hmm. to revealing what's going on here and i like that it feels like the kind of change of pace you need for the first couple of years after Endgame. Like, you can only ramp things up and ramp things up and higher the stakes and higher the stakes for so long before people Mm -hmm. get sick of it. So this is a really nice little story for me. Yeah, like, this doesn't feel like it needs, like, a big bad at the end. Like, this, it it just needs to be a nice little story. Um, Like, as you said, I've really liked this kind of, like, old kind of, like you say, old TV sitcom kind of effect. Yeah. the the first episode like i was expecting no it's gonna do this for five minutes and then we'll get into it but then it just kept going and it's like the whole premise of the thing is like a dinner party it's like a real just you know having the the boss over and like we've all seen like the simpsons and the flintstones mimic this and um but yeah no i've I've really enjoyed it like just just kind of nice standalone episodes and then you get the little tease at the end yeah and you get a couple of little hints Mm mm-hmm throughout that like i love i adore the adverts yeah the adverts are great the little flashes of color to Mm -hmm. let you know that this is something you should be aware of the little things in the background that are slightly off sometimes Mm -hmm. i like that stuff um especially based on you know where i think it's going but uh see i i'm not aware where it's going you'll be a lot more in tune with where it could possibly be going yeah but i am happy enough to not kind of I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. I'm yeah. just happy enough to enjoy each episode as it comes. And you know what's great? It's only half an hour. Yeah. That makes it really easy and digestible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a perfect relax and kind of the warm hug or comfy pair of slippers kind of television. You know, I really liked some of the, the Netflix Marvel stuff. Um, like if you haven't seen it, Lee, I, I, I would haven't. definitely, I would definitely recommend Daredevil. Right. Um, Everything else is kind of, it depends. I, I've seen kind of people are all over the shop on the other shows, kind of. I really That's like Luke, Luke Cage. Luke, Luke Cage and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., isn't it? Uh, well, there's, so there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I was never a fan of. Apparently it got really good eventually, but like the first season, I just I just couldn't do it. It mm. was so monster of the week. Like it might be great for a switch off the brain before bed show, I guess. Okay. 
Um, they did Agent Carter, a miniseries. I really like that. Oh, I did not realize they did that. Okay. Yeah, so they did that. So uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Agent Carter were on ABC in the States. And they did Agent Carter as like a miniseries between seasons of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And it's like, a, it's like a period thing, you know, back when Peggy Carter was... was, was uh, after Cap it's, got frozen. I was just going to say it's post-Cap, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, it's really good, um, and it's got Dominic Cooper in a uh, reprising his role as a young Howard Stark as well. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty good. I actually um, I I watched I start watching um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in um, chronological order. So because Connor has kind of drifted in and out, so I said, oh, will we watch. We're stuck for something to watch one day, and I said, oh, we watch um, Captain America. Yeah. So he was very much like, oh, you know, he. He was point. He was pointing out stuff to me. He's like, "Oh, that's you know." At the end, he's like, "Oh, that's Nick Fury," and then he was like, mm. "Understanding where Peggy Carter comes from and the whole idea of you know why Cap is so good all the time." Yeah. So he he's very much into it. So I'm gonna. I think I'll continue watching them chronologically with him and see does he enjoy. See it what way. you start picking up now in your yeah. second lap. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I recommend Luke Cage. I think the thing about the Netflix ones, which are. So Netflix ones were Daredevil, Luke Cage, The Immortal Iron Fist, uh, Jessica Jones, and The Immortals. Okay. Or no, they're not The Immortals, sorry, The Defenders. Um, oh, I didn't realise they did so many, jeez. Yeah, yeah, and they did like two or three seasons of, of most of those. <laughs> so like, there's three seasons of Daredevil, there's two, maybe three seasons of Jessica Jones. Um, yeah, there's a lot there, but they're very, they're the adult shows. Yeah. Like, not, I not bet, like... I believe I think, they had to retcon like halfway through Agents of Shield because I think it's like sometime around Age of Ultron, it all got very very messy. Yeah, so there was different things that changed. Um, there was a long time where they were going to build up to an Inhumans movie, mm. and then they ended up bailing on that, so they put all the Inhuman stuff into the TV show. Okay. Um. But yeah, and then they made an Inhumans TV show, which was very bad. <laughs> um, but I think you will really like Daredevil's okay. se- first season and last season. Season two is okay, but it's kind of, it's not as good as... It, See, that's the kind of, if, if it's the middle season, I can kind of say, right, I can get through it to get to the, yeah. the better season. And I think you will enjoy it. It's just not okay. quite the same um, because of the antagonist in season one and three. It's not just Affleck, amazing. It? No, it's not. <laughs> and it's just not the same without him. Um, the Punisher one, people like it. It's okay. I, I wasn't massively overly gone on it. I really like Luke Cage. Uh, Jessica Jones season one is fucking incredible. Oh, um, it's so good. And um, something that doesn't get done enough in film or TV, uh, you get David Tennant playing a real, real creepy bad guy. And oh, he really, really okay. creeps the fucking shit out of me. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a really, really good show. Um, so I'd recommend those. Uh, I hate the Iron Fist stuff. Okay. And all his stuff in The Defenders is what made it bad. Um, yeah, they really bet on the wrong horse, putting, like, centering the whole television arc around his his arc. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. But uh, I think there's some stuff you'll enjoy from the TV fair. So there is still Marvel content you haven't watched out there. And um, it sounds like a lot of it will remain unwatched. Yeah, yeah. 
what'll be interesting is is uh if you ever go back and watch like the the movies that were made like slightly before there was a marvel cinematic universe but when marvel figured out they wanted to do movies like uh, the, the original x-men and yeah so the when they were just hulk. licensing to other studios the original hulk the three x-men movies uh the well all the x-men origins yeah. and side movies as well the two horrendous fantastic four movies um god there's 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 more than there, that there's as well. more than that there's um i've I'm seen the, the original spider-man movies but oh yeah just... yeah spider-man 2 is excellent still and i think spider-man 1 has aged way better than i ever would have thought um but yeah, there's it's a real like the 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 quality barometer. The two Punisher movies as well, like hilariously oh, yeah. bad. Uh, one of them starring Kevin Nash, so maybe we'll yeah, eventually watch the, it on the, the original, show. the first one. Yeah, I must actually see. I think the first one came out after WCW died, so I don't think we'll ever come past it in the timeline because I think he was in WWE. Oh, he was because he remember he, he lost that hair match to. Oh Jericho. yeah, because he was filming, and he's in the movie for like ten minutes less even. I think yeah. it's not even that long. Um, wasn't um, Hellboy? Isn't that a Marvel character? Uh, he's not a Marvel character. He's. I'm trying to spin around because I think I have a Hellboy book here somewhere. Is it Dark Horse? I can't remember. Uh, what imprint he is? This is me not having nerd cred now. But uh, Hellboy, that's class. Yes. Um, because that's Guillermo del Toro, who's one of my favorite filmmakers, and I will not hear. Uh, a bad word said about that. <laughs> um, that was two thousand and four. Fuck. Oh wow, Jesus. Um, We're all getting old, Dave. I know, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, rest assured, my friend, that um, there is still there will always be more comic book movies you haven't seen. Good oh, absolutely. You never finished with them. Yeah, and I'll never, um, I'll never, I'll stay as far away from DC as I can. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> You would definitely need a Sherpa to cut the wheat from the chaff on that. Um, let's get on to something slightly more topical. It is Royal Rumble season, and it feels as we're as we're heading towards World War Three. It feels right to talk about the the Rumble, the, the Superior Battle Royal. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and you were telling me, and it's something that I tend to do. It's a tradition I picked up from Mark, where Mark used to try watch. Uh, when he lived with me this is friend of the show Mark Robinson and my co-host on Link to the Cast he used to try watch every single Royal Rumble before the Royal Rumble every year at first I think it started off with him trying to do the whole pay-per-view and then it eventually boiled in him just watching the Rumble matches because there ended up just being too many of them obviously mm-hmm. after a certain amount of years um, but you were telling me that you're uh, going through some of the, the, the best ones at the moment yeah, so I watched about an hour before we started. I said, ah, I'm stuck for something to watch. I'll, I'll put on Rumble 2000. And only for, it was, I think it was like an hour and 15 minutes before we hit record here. I was going to watch Cactus Jack and Triple H and then the Rumble. Yeah. I was like, I had to make a decision. Like, ah, I'll put the Rumble on. So, uh, yeah, I watched the 2000 Rumble. Not the best Rumble, but as no. you pointed out, probably one of the best cards. Oh, like full yeah. Shows. I mean... I mean, like, the whole show as a package is fantastic. You know, like, it opening with that Cactus and Triple H video package. Mm-hmm. Is, not, is it the one that opens the show that's, like, your name is Triple H? That I one think it's that like one, yeah, yeah. The myth that lost an ear in Munich. <laughs> that, that, that bit. They call you Cactus Jack. They call you Triple H. King of the Deathmatch. The WWF champion. The myth. 
that lost an ear and a man that will go to any length to win. Barbed wire scars, C4 explosives, blood, sweat, and tears. You've maimed, crippled, and injured men your entire career. Some say you shoot from the hip. You will lose this street fight. I say you just shoot your mouth off. Some say you can't be beat. I am the game. I say I've played this game before and won. I am Triple H. I am Cactus Jack. Some call me sick and sadistic. I am the sickest SOB in the business. I call myself the World Wrestling Federation Champion. There will be no laughter, no, laughter, no, regret, no regret, no remorse. Live from New York's Madison Square Garden, the WWF Royal Rumble. So it, it, sta it starts off great there's a great rock promo isn't there uh before the rumble yeah i don't want to say it's great because it's probably problematic these days it's almost certainly problematic like uh but which at if, the time. If, if you ever revisit any rock stuff be prepared to cancel them oh 100 percent um there is of course the um the the hardys and the dudleys which oh, is incredible a, a phenomenal match yeah We've got the the debut of one Tears. Yep. Probably Wait. my favourite debut of any ever. It's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, definitely like my, it, it, in the time I w I've been watching WWF, WWE, it's, if not my favourite, it's right up there, mm. you know. Um, it's so good and it's obviously the perfect arena yeah. and the perfect crowd and the perfect opponent as well in mm -hmm. Kurt Angle um, who like the thing I always forget is like that guy has only been there since Survivor Series he already has Survivor Series top guy. And he, he, yeah but he already has top guy heat like mm -hmm. do you know even if he isn't being pushed as world title contender quite yet it is top guy heat yep. Um, and it's one of the things where something we've said before you know when talking about Goldberg is that one of the hardest things to do in wrestling is how to do the dismount from a, a, a winning streak without completely destroying the wrestler's credibility mm -hmm. and I I haven't really thought about it until recently but they kind of did that with Kurt oh they, because they, they, they did it perfectly with Kurt because he went from here he spent I think three weeks complaining about losing and then he just yeah, beat Falcon well, for a title yeah, well, you spent three weeks denying that he had lost at all. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's perfect. The uh, the Hardys and Dudleys, like it's quite tame by by current day standards, mm -hmm. obviously, but um, it's fantastic. I think it holds up. Yeah, uh, the Rumble itself, as you said, it's not the greatest Rumble in the world. There's some some fun spots. You know, that's the one, isn't it, where we get our two cool dance off, and then Rikishi hoofs the two of them out. Oh my God. <laughs> my god I like I always remember it being a huge pop yeah but I forgot the fans are literally chanting Rikishi Rikishi as he's dancing that's uh, so good and then they they boo when he he clotheslines the two of them and throws them out then he goes back to dancing and they chant again like yeah fucking Rikishi Fatu yeah got a Man, bigger pop for dancing so than, than The Rock did for winning like it, it's amazing yeah wasn't wasn't um, it, was it that month or I think it was February? It was sometime in February they did the uh, 
was it too cool and um was it too cool and the rock against dx or was it triple triple h and the the radicals yeah it was the radicals 10-man tag with triple h and maybe x-pac or somebody like that wasn't it it wasn't uh, the four radicals i don't think yeah because wasn't one of them what did neddy do his elbow like straight away yeah I'm gonna look up uh, while you're talking about that. Um, but yeah, God, like, and then there was another another pop that kind of I was stunned at. Edge comes out about in around the twenty spot, and he gets yeah. a massive pop. It was so it was the Rock, Cactus Jack, and too cool, too cool, and Rikishi. Mm. Um, that's the one I think it is. Sorry, I'm just loading up some someone's blog here. Jesus Christ, this is a prehistoric blog. Uh, let me try. Yeah, I think this will be better. But anyway, go on, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Edge comes out to fucking an enormous pop, which is stunning because, like, the guy is just purely a tag team wrestler at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what, like, what, else, what other major thing, like, I forgot Xbox gets to the last four. Mm. It's Xbox, Kane, and. Big Show and Rock. Um, other than The Rock and Kane, there's no, you know, megastars in the match. Yeah, it's not like it is. It's there's not a lot star-studded of... like. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the first people like, oh, I love D'Lo Brown. D'Lo, Grandmaster Sexy and Mosh are the first three people. Like, it's not fucking a loaded, a loaded lineup. Like, there's no big returns. There's no... Mega surprise! Like they have Bob Backlund, which gets a surprisingly large pop. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, other rumbles in general. I mean, what would be your favorite? Is it the obvious? So I well, I I think here's the thing that we need to, the 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 elephant in the room about this. Oh, it is Triple H and X Pac and the Radicals, yeah, by the way. Um. So, on that show. Uh, maybe my favorite WWF title match of all time. Mm-hmm. Cactus Jack and Triple H in the street fight. Yeah. Uh, one of those things, and I think we've said this on the show before, and it's not exactly a controversial take, but my God, in that f- it, over that few month period, did Mick Foley make Triple H? Ah, oh, like people forget that Triple H won the title for fucking Vince McMahon. Like, yeah. and it's because Foley made that guy like yeah i think this was what triple h's second reign because yeah. didn't he, he be he 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 beat, he beat rock the and, big show for this one. Oh, he beat the big show oh maybe it's yeah, his tour reign yeah that's right so so big show won at survivor series after austin got yes run over and then dx screwed him on raw and had the big remember there was the black mm-hmm. and green balloons and everything that did the big kind of like heel triumph celebration but didn't Vince win at some stage in December? And then he uh, lost at Armageddon when Stephanie turned on him. Hold on there now. Title reigns. They know they had their match. Uh, or did Vince give... And that's where did, the turn happened. Did Vince give it up straight away or... Title history. I think this is real real fucking exciting stuff for people listening by the way <laughs> didn't he win it in like a six pack challenge maybe maybe that was it I think Vince gave it up and then they made some like six pack challenge for an English pay-per-view maybe 
So, Vince McMahon won it in... So, Triple H, his first reign, he beat Mankind. He beat Mankind at the night after SummerSlam 99. Yes. Uh, then Vince won it on SmackDown with Shane as the guest referee. When was that? Uh, that was September 14th, oh, wow. 1999. Before, before, before Big Show, okay. Then he vacated it on Raw. Okay. <clears throat> Triple H won it back at Unforgiven. That was the six-pack challenge then. Yeah. Big Show won it at Survivor Series and Triple H won it on the January 3rd Raw. Okay. Um, but this match with Cactus Jack is like, uh, just watch it. Like, I'm sure everybody within the sound of her mm-hmm. voices has seen it, but watch it again. In fact, like watch, so watch that, watch the Hell in a Cell in February at No Way Out. And before you watch those, watch the, the go home promo from, from uh, Foley on Smackdown. Yeah. Where he takes off the mask and takes off the shirt to, re- to reveal that it's Cactus Jack he'll be mm-hmm. wrestling. And just... Uh, Triple H with an all-time sell of the <laughs> reveal mm-hmm. of Cactus Jack. Actually, that, uh, that, that's another one. That the the sell for the return of Cactus Jack in '97. That famous, mm-hmm. you know, the three-way promo where it's Dude Love Mankind, oh, and they yeah. they reintroduce Cactus. Yeah. Oh my God! What a man! What a man! Uh, in terms of actual matches, that's a, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think '92 is the obvious one that everybody says. Which I have on right now as I'm speaking to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2001, I love. I watched that again recently. Yeah. I don't know. I I think there's some great moments. It's it's obviously got the, the Iron Man performance from Kane in it. Mm. Um, but there's some good stuff in there, including uh, something that I, I forget every time, Drew Carey. Yeah, um, that, that's like... And his elimination of the, the Hardys, and he pushed them off the... Or do they fall off? I think they fall off and he's just left in the ring and that's what That's Kane it, comes yeah, out. yeah. Uh, that's the, the, the Honky Tonk Man as well. Is, is that the one where Kane loves the Honky Tonk Man? Yes. Yeah. Kills him with the guitar. Yeah. Um, the one, uh, 2007 is great. The one that ends with the 10 minutes of a singles match with Sean and Taker. Yeah, that's a great one, yeah. Um, and then is it the following year where it starts off with, with them the two, two of them? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. The year, the year they tell that story about Sean trying to win the Rumble to get the shot yeah, at Taker which again. Is the following year, I think. Yeah, um, is incredible stuff. That whole year, like it's one of the best since probably Hogan Savage, the best year-long storyline that company ever told. I, th- I think doesn't Sean like he has a grip of the rope and he's struggling and he just loses his grip. Yeah, it's like, is it Edge or something? Or but somebody hits the somebody rope hits as hands. he's scrambling yeah. and he falls off. Yeah, because that, that rumble is great. Because, like, yeah, he runs out and uh, Michael Cole is telling the story very well. And then um, at one point he super kicks Triple H, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He super kicks Triple H out. Um, and then, yeah, when he when he gets eliminated, he loses it. And he, he super kicks um, Little Nate. And yeah, that that's one of my favorite stories they ever told intentionally. Like I said, there's great year long arcs like the Daniel Bryan thing, but until the last couple of months, they weren't intentionally telling that story. <laughs> they should um, never get credit for that story. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm tra- you're putting me on the spot now, so like it's hard to, like obviously at the time before circumstances, uh, I loved the Benoit one. Benoit win at yeah. the time I was, going, I was going to bring that up I think 2002 2003 2004 are very good rumbles 
Yes. Now maybe it's nostalgia and the, you know my age or whatever and whoever like I was kind of older and like I had certain favorites then, but like I just yeah. I think those are three very very good rumbles. Yeah, and two thousand three, uh, that rumble has the the kick the the big kickoff to the Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels feud, mm-hmm. uh, which I love very much. Where like Kurt comes out like a house of fire and he's fucking just destroying lads, and then he fucking eats a super kick and he's gone, loses the rag. Then, no, that's yeah. that's two thousand five, isn't it? No, oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's WrestleMania twenty one. Yeah, yes, it's two thousand five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I was nineteen. No, that's the uh, two thousand three. Is the the is Jericho Brock year? Windsor. Yeah, and Jericho fucking has Jericho that Sean big that on his head. Yeah, in the Rumble, isn't it? Isn't that when yeah. he gets it with the cane? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, no, I I just think they're three very good uh, if underrated yeah. Rumbles, but you know. Yeah. For the obvious thing about, reasons, because Benoit is a big part of two of them. Yeah. The thing about Rumbles is that, by and large, even when they're not great Rumbles, they're still an entertaining watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't always make entertaining rewatches, but I always enjoy watching the thing. It's like the one pay per view that, even if I, you know, have something on the following day, uh, you know, that and less so in recent years, but WrestleMania would be the ones where it's like, I need to be up live for this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I feel like the Rumble is more special because it's harder for them to fuck that match up, the specialness of that match. It's like the one step they won't do repeatedly throughout the year, like a um, like a Hell in a Cell. I know they did the greatest Royal Rumble, but I just they they're non-canon shows. <laughs> yeah, they don't count. Um, one Rumble I want to give credit to actually, the uh, women's Rumble that Becky won. It was great. That was actually a great Rumble. Like it was yeah. really good. Like. Um, you know, I will I will absolutely hear the argument that um, all the women's rumbles have been better than the men's rumbles in the same year. <laughs> um, last you know, year, I know, what was last year's? Last year was... Charlotte won, wasn't it? Yeah. Eh, it was okay. It was, it was the worst of them, but it was... It, I, I think they, they planned them out very well, I'll say. Mm. Um, they planned them out in a way that... Um, I think they also have the balance right of because they have such a blessed NXT roster of women and mm-hmm. they have, um, you know, enough legends every year that they haven't because they usually call back the, the legends who are men. There are women who can appear as legends who you haven't gotten tired of. Yeah. Yet. And was it last year or was it the year before where we had the uh, Beth Phoenix uh come back and she got bust open didn't she I think that was, was that two years ago was that I Beck think that was one? two years ago because yeah no Edge was this yeah. year so Beth was the year before yes it was yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was like she had a little run with, yeah. with Natalia and they did yeah. the, like the Divas of Doom reunion actually now that I think about it that men's rumble last year was great yeah last year's was brilliant because it was Brock for, for nearly half an hour just killing people yeah yeah and, and, the, and him being so happy. oh a big boy <laughs> <laughs> I still think the best moment was when he sees Shelton yeah, and he starts doing a little. He's like, just he's so happy and yeah, <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's great. Love the rumble. I actually, need I, to I actually I need probably to... gonna go watch a rumble after this now, you bastard. Uh, I, I might put on that one while we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the final thing we want to talk about, and this was kind of just a shout out to everybody who's listening. So you'll know a few. Uh, the month before uh, wrestling went to hell. Um, and we all kind of burned out on watching new wrestling uh, because everybody in it uh, is a monster or a criminal of some sort. Um, we had opened a blog, mm-hmm. uh, Beyond the Thunder Road, uh, which is at 
uh, wcwthunderpod.wordpress.com, I think. It's in the show notes anyway, if I got that wrong. <laughs> and we kind of put a stop to, we had a couple of tentative plans that, you know, without saying what we were going to be covering, um, would have involved us, you know, if you took out all the people who were named in speaking out, uh, there would have been very few matches to cover in the mm-hmm. things we were looking at covering. So obviously we didn't want to give those fuckers the light of day. And we were kind of soured on the idea of watching stuff around that time anyway. Um, so it kind of went by the wayside and the two of us, you know, very unprofessional and lazy. We're the first to admit it. Um, <laughs> so we kind of just didn't think about it for a while. And we've had a couple of ideas. We've spitballed around the, the Thunder offices here. Um, but we wanted to send a shout out to the Thunder Buddies and just say, look, we want to do, we want to cover something and do like a couple of series on the blog. And we just don't quite know what we what we want or more importantly, what you guys would want. Mm. You'd be the ones reading it. We're just the ones, you know, watching and, and writing. So um, let us know at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. Will we say the couple of ideas that we've had, Lee? just to kind of tell them the kind of stuff we're thinking about. Yeah, I suppose, just give an example. This isn't stuff that we're strictly going to do, but this is just a couple of the ideas that we have had. Yeah. So the the two I remember us having are, we were going to start looking back at all the Clash of the Champions mm-hmm. in order. And we were going to kind of do, like, we were thinking of doing two series and going, like, month on, month off. Kind of, like, so we'll flip, you know, alternate months which one we're talking about. Um, And we were going to do Clash of Champions. And the other idea we had was going back to the the NXT takeovers from Mm -hmm. the start. Because we're about to cross, unbelievably, seven years since the first live NXT special. Um... So, you know, it feels like around this time of year would be the good time to start on that. Now, look, um, if that's not something that, that floats your boat, you know, we're not necessarily married to doing that. And we are certainly uh, open to suggestion as to what we would do. Obviously, we don't want to do something like all the nitros that we're not watching on Thunder Road. It kind of defeats the purpose of the show. Yeah. And the last thing we want to do is add, you know, Three several hour. hundred yeah. two to three hour episodes exactly um we'd love something fun or like you know big shows or weird shows or something like that um or if it's something like um you know following the big matches of a particular wrestler mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to be wcw related i think about uh our boy that we've already mentioned the show mark robinson who went back and did a couple of articles charting the history of shane mcmahon matches <laughs> Once, you know, something silly like that we'd be open to. Um, did we have any more ideas just to, to give them a flavour or was that kind of... That, that, that's the general gist. Like, there's a lot of wrestling we watch. Like, we enjoy all types of wrestling. So there's nothing yeah. that, you know, we will absolutely rule out straight away. I think, like you mentioned, stuff outside of our timeline is absolutely stuff that we want to aim for. Mm. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing really, like off limits per se so if you have an idea throw it our way we'll absolutely consider it and trying to like like i say like we we can gladly just go and watch you know every wcw pay-per-view from 1986 yeah no it's not difficult we have the network it's fucking it's easy to do and we can do fucking five thousand words on that but like if nobody's going to you know enjoy it and participate with us 
it's yeah. you know it's not wasting our time because it's absolutely stuff we enjoy watching anyway yeah we, we we kind of like for the blog it's not only stuff that would interest us but like i said mm-hmm. it's the stuff that would interest you to read exactly because uh, there's no point in us just doing stuff to pop ourselves that's kind of you that's know what, the podcast what we is. do yeah that's what the podcast is so we want to do something a little bit different the stuff i will say though is like maybe we'll steer away from the stuff that's already covered in depth on on this very podcast network Mm -hmm. like for example we won't do aew or um new japan yeah you know uh or world class or 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 things like that so think a bit outside the box at wcw thunderpod is where you need to go and speaking of at wcw thunderpod just before we kick off talking about thunder uh we have had a couple of comments this week um firstly on our shout out last week where we were talking about uh movies that you could just re-watch over and over and over again uh we had a couple on that lee um and the first we have is from i think you know with with his interaction he has earned friend of the show status for sure at this stage <laughs> amos says that he is also a member of the i don't know anything about baseball but have watched moneyball countless times club and i'm glad to hear we're not alone in that yeah that feels it, validating to me it does absolutely um and like we said before a great movie you don't need to understand baseball if you've never seen it go watch it <laughs> yeah for sure uh i'm just getting up uh another comment we had a comment on the soundcloud from uh webb's weekly wrestling rant uh saying casino and goodfellas are both rewatchable for me no matter where it is in either movie i can join in progress and enjoy it like i watch from the beginning that's how many times i've seen both films those are good shouts mm-hmm. as well very good shouts, casino yeah. and goodfellas they're kind of ones where not only can i jump in at any point but i also am kind of rage and i've missed the start of it as well <laughs> <laughs> um, other ones that it doesn't get played on a TV as much but Scott Pilgrim like if I walk into a room and Scott Pilgrim's on if I turn a channel and Scott Pilgrim's on that's one of my favourite movies do you know what I've never seen it oh it's so good it's so good uh, we just passed the 10 year anniversary of that film as well which makes me feel very old Um, I was trying to think of other ones for myself like I think Green Mile is one God, even though it's like three hours long I love the Green Mile um Big Lebowski and mm-hmm. uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou as well. Um, and pretty much if it's Coen Brothers, I, I'm in. <clears throat> you know? Um, my my favourite movie of all time, and it's, it's such a strange movie to have as my favourite movie of all time, but it just is, is uh, Midnight Run, Robert De Niro and oh, Charles yeah. Cronin. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why. It's I think I first saw it when I was like eight years old. So it's like... <laughs> I think it was up late one night and it was just it was on and ever since then like I've just I think I've I must have seen it like 200 times and that, that's not an exaggeration I'll give you a left field one that I love whenever I see it on TV and RT do play it every so often um, Minority Report do you know what never seen it it's really good it's really good underrated Colin Farrell performance Um, I also oh pretty much any Bond movie yeah if it's on like just so intensely watchable that series of movies are Um, maybe maybe not the Pierce Brosnan era oh here I will hear no bad words said about Goldeneye my friend (laughs) Um, I also think you know I'm stealing a talking point from uh, one of my favourite podcasts James Bonding um, where they talk about how actually the the villain's plan in Tomorrow Never Dies is one of the best and most realistic vi- uh, villain plans of any Bond movie. 
because it's like controlling the world through news and media. I was like, wow, was that prescient at the time. Who knew um, Donald Trump watched that? And... <laughs> um, I was trying to think if I had any more. Uh, a lot of those new, um, the newer Mission Impossible films are great to watch as well. Um, the kind of, is it four, five and six? The kind of like the post Philip Seymour Hoffman, because uh, he was three, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, I think it was last time I watched was three. Um, oh, dude, they're so like they're amazing now. Are they, they're amazing. See, to me, the ultimate in them movies is Die Hard. So yeah, if Die Hard is great, it's that kind of levels. Of I was silly. just gonna say if it's that level of silly, like Fast and yeah. the Furious, Die Hard, like just turn off your brain. It doesn't need to make sense, and that that enjoyable yeah Yeah, i can get along with it four and five are that and then six legitimately i gave it an unironic five stars oh wow okay Uh, like fallout is one of the best action movies i've seen in years um those movies are good and i'm excited because our friend zig is is watching all of them for the first time at the moment and he's just gotten up to three so based on the first three you would have no idea what the four five and six were going to end up being but uh yeah great stuff um yeah uh our other what was the other piece that we were talking to people about oh we just you just put out a tweet didn't you oh, earlier yeah, yeah. today uh what are they what uh any questions or comments they might have about this thunder or whatever mm. um and firstly uh one of our newer listeners uh mclaren who i know going back years uh from the the, the fow boards how are you managing to keep watching this nonsense <laughs> <laughs> alcohol <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, it's, uh, al- it's alcohol and knowing we're not suffering alone that we're doing it together yeah, yeah that's it I think if if this was like a one man show it'd be over by now or even if it was like one of us and we were trying to get different guests on yeah. I think we you oh, know people would be once bitten twice shy on coming on <laughs> could you imagine like what, what what's this episode 38 yeah trying to find another person to come on and talk about this show not in a million years mm-hmm. not in a million years uh one from uh, a friend not only of the show but of mine from from real life mark doyle uh asks us in the spirit of the hard to kill main event who would you book in a six-man tag match for a wcw versus wwf event taking place in october 1998 and who goes over wow uh It's a tough one. It is a tough one because, I mean, even just picking somebody to go over, like you can't. Yeah. It it, it would never have happened. But mm. do you go like full WCW crew and say, right, we're not going to have Hogan, Hall, and Nash? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, there's realistic, which would be the, there's no way if we were actually booking WCW in 1998, would we? N- get away with not having Hogan on the team mm-hmm. but there's, I don't think there's any way either of us would book Hogan on the team exactly. given the choice um, same with with Nash and probably Hall like do you do, you do something like having the horseman represent because yeah. I suppose the most obvious thing in 1998 depending on where in 1998 are is NWO versus DX mm. that's the that's probably one of the money matches you could do because like, because Mark said WCW, I'm gonna stick to picking WCW representatives. So I think you'd go like Goldberg, DDP, and 
I don't, I'm going to say Raven just because we fucking love Raven. Mm. So here was the idea I had, right? I, so I was going to put Sting in the team, but if you're, you know what I'm going to do, I'll go with you and I will say just WCW. Mm. So I was thinking as somebody you could put in as like, um, so you want two people who are established stars. Mm-hmm. So Goldberg and Page on Team WCW. Yeah. Excellent. Um, then we have on the other side, I think you've got to make Stone Cold Steve Austin the captain so that you can have that Goldberg-Austin confrontation oh, that we have, never got. You'd have to, yeah. 1998. Like, are you going Undertaker? I mean, 1998, Undertaker was shy. <laughs> he was shy, but he was over. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to find a balance of I mean, would you, would star you, power and over. Would you go, like, Undertaker? Or not, sorry, uh, Austin. Some version of Foley. And maybe, like, a, kind of a, a lower down star, maybe The Rock. Like, real homegrown. Well, you think about what's about to happen in the next month over there. Yeah, see that that'd be the other thing. He's about yeah. to be a made man, so So like do you put him in or do you say, No, we're giving him the rub next month mm-hmm. so we do we keep him out of it and, and give the rub to somebody else? Um, it's tough to say. Um I'm trying to see I'm trying to uh he's still is he still here? Yeah, he is. Okay, cool. Um, I had an idea that for the third man on the team, I just want hard bastards. Um, so I was going to go Saturn on Team WCW. Yeah. And Ken Shamrock. Oh, oh, do you know what? Ken Shamrock is a fucking phenomenal show for the three-man team. Yeah. Because I, I think a way out of the match that makes sense is Shamrock losing the head and getting disqualified. Yeah. And getting sent to the back and leaving them, you know, there's no dishonor in losing to a three man team or because you, you, you have to give a finish, I think, mm-hmm. of some sort. Or do you, you know, just do, do the do, DQ do, finish? Do, do the DQ finish where you have Shamrock make someone tap and just doesn't let go? He holds it and they, yeah. they reverse the decision? Possibly. Um, yeah, I think Shamrock for me, like, I want to see that Shamrock and Saturn getting physical and throwing each other around. Like Austin Foley, Shamrock, I mean, that's... I think that'd be a fucking a great three-man team. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have that all day. So I think we'd go with that Austin Foley, Shamrock, yeah. Goldberg, DDP, A and other. Yeah. And do you do, with the psychology of the match, like, do you lay it out like one team is the heel team? Or do you do, like, it's a babyface festival? And just let the crowd pick? I think you go, like, full babyface and you just let the crowd, like, fucking cheer and boo wherever they wish. And each team is just trying to be, fucking beat the fuck out of the other. Yeah. I want to see Bischoff and Vince come to blows at the side, at at ringside. (laughs) Maybe, like, following... Paul and Eric Bischoff's spot from... Yeah, from a like rumble, maybe, it? yeah, like maybe as um, if you do the bit where Shamrock gets disqualified, and you could have uh, Vince up on the apron, giving out reams to the ref, mm-hmm. and Bischoff goes up and squares up to them, and it, it it has to be Vince putting Bischoff on his ass. I mean, it'd have to be after the Slamboree stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would have to be. 
I think that as like we'll drop the that, lawsuit. That would be your concession. WCW yeah. could get the pin, but Vince lays out Bischoff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm really like. Ugh. If it wasn't for the fact that Paige is so hot at the moment, it would be interesting to have Raven in there to match up with Foley. Mm-hmm. But given the way both of them are, you can't not have Paige on a team WCW at the moment. Um, I, I think yeah I think. but obviously the one thing you can't do is like uh, Austin and Goldberg are going to be politicked out of being involved in the mm-hmm. finish one way or the other they, they, they kind of brawl down the aisle to get each other out yeah. of the way or something I don't see Paige or Foley having a problem with taking a fall if that's the way it went and I don't see Shamrock having a problem with the losing the head DQ finish because he looks like a real tough mm-hmm. guy then um, so yeah I, I am satisfied with that my friend I think we worked that one well yeah, Someone's, I think so. Somebody, when when the world got black normal, give us a book. Yeah, we'll make it work. Thanks, everyone. We we always appreciate the comments coming in. That's kind of livened me up ahead of this really poor show. Uh, but speaking of things that we need to liven us up, Lee, it's time for our beers of thunder. <laughs> and uh, what are you rocking? I am still finishing off the last of the Christmas beers, so I am just here with my Rockshore. I mean, we've mentioned this countless times on the show it's just such a fucking yeah. nice drink it's just it's Crisp. a Monday it's a Monday evening I don't want anything too heavy I mean Rockshore is the go to Lee do you know what is keeping me going sometimes the thought that when we're all vaccinated heading up to Dublin in the middle of the summer for some fucking barbecue or something like that or a wow burger mm-hmm. or fucking whatever the fuck is open and then going out into a beer garden and having a Rockshore yeah Oh, I'd be living for it. I'd be tears in my eyes, my friend. <laughs> like Flair in 92 with a tear in my eye. <laughs> I tell you what, the, the reunion that we're going to have at some stage this year. Yeah. Not just us, I, everybody else that we know. It's just going to be. Yeah. I remember in like April, we were kind of ironically saying, oh, we're, you know, we're going to be so emotional when we see each other. And then like the last time we talked about it, it was like genuinely we may all burst into tears yeah. when we see each other. It, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to it's gonna be uh it's going to be a strange time seeing everyone again. Yeah. It's like, oh, Dave, how, how did you lose your arm? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, did I mention? <laughs> <laughs> we'll all show up like, isn't it the Monty Python sketch where they all just fucking, your man just continually losing limbs? Yeah, yeah. Just different variants of that. <laughs> Somebody's missing a finger. Yeah. Somebody's got an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have so I have two very interesting things firstly I'll go with my beer um, I, I have a, a Guinness West Indies Porter oh I have seen them and I have been very very tempted yeah this was bought for me for Christmas so I'm just going to try that now before I go this is a new thing I notice you get a lot of beer as presents mm-hmm. this was I think people know my brand now and mm. it's I tell you what it, it's cut down on the on the days of the hundred budget something fierce um, I mean, if Alan wants to nice. send any any my way, he's more than welcome. <laughs> I would describe it as like it's it, it's obviously very reminiscent of Guinness. Mm-hmm. It's definitely stronger. It's got more of a kick. Okay. Um, not quite as smooth, but probably richer in some ways. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not quite as creamy, but there's definitely a, a richness to it of some sort. Um, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. Um, 
what I've got here as well, I've got a spirit with me. And I, I mentioned it on the last show is that I got a, a tasting collection of whiskeys from around the world for Christmas. So for the next, you know, eight or ten shows, I can't remember how many of them I got. Uh, I'm going to be trying one. Every time I remember, I'm going to try one of these. Um, they come in little glass test tubes. So there's about, uh, about you know, a measure and a half maybe in each one. Um <clears throat> We this call is that the in Ireland a measure, yeah, uh, a measure-ish. Uh, this first one is the Amrut Fusion whiskey from India. Okay, uh, and my little booklet that explains all of them says to me this whiskey is distilled from barley from Scotland and India, making this a true fusion of countries. Jim Murray's third finest whiskey in the world for 2010. The nose is rich. Barley and fruity, big on citrus, spices, creamy sweetness, with a hint of peat. In the palates, you will find an oaky, rich and gentle peat with coffee and dark fruity chocolate. The finish is long, spiced with marmalade sweetness, and it is 50% ABV. Oh, Oh, that sounded fun. Oh, it's every bit of the 50%. I'll tell you that. Whew. It's good. It'll knock your socks off, though. Not often you get a, a sip like that on this show where it takes your breath away. Yeah, we're, we're seasoned pros usually at this stage. I think that's the second strongest one I've had on the show. That Japanese one I had in the summer last year was like 52. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that that is quite... I can get the kind of fruity, the marmalade taste now that it's kind of the, the initial kick yeah. has has settled that that is very nice Whew, strong though I'll tell you what <laughs> eyes are nearly watering and what a good way to kick off thunder episode 38 speaking of from, watering it yeah from albuquerque new mexico uh, this show was broadcast on the 29th of October 1998, though it was recorded on the 22nd of October. So yet again, we have a, a show after a pay-per-view that was recorded before it. So you can probably guess how consequential the events of this show are. So I did not realise that. And that would explain a lot. Yeah, it is. I, I'm pretty sure because when I was putting together, I, I put together like our episode lists so that we don't miss any of the important nights of Nitro. Mm-hmm. Um, And as far as I remember, for most of through the end of 99, uh, this is the case where most pay-per-views, the Thunder after will have been recorded before. Um, So there are going to be some every time we have a pay-per-view it'd be like oh we're very excited for the pay-per-view but then the fear of what the thunder afterwards is going to be like the one thing i will say about this i won't i won't uh give away my entire thoughts about it now because uh something that plays into the narrative of the show for me personally is you texting me a few hours before i start watching it (laughs) telling me i was going to hate it um so we'll revisit that notion as we go through this but what I will say is that the upshot of a pre-taped Thunder is being able to watch it quite easily in one sitting because there are so many flashbacks to things mm-hmm. you've already seen that you don't really feel the need to pay attention to those so you can catch up on your notes. So I don't find myself doing as much pausing or rewinding. It's funny, I'll do that during the matches now because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. There, there's so many you know nitro flashbacks and yeah you know this happened at the pay-per-view and let's go to this yeah. and it's just yeah. now, 
nothing was quite as excessive flashback wise on this show as when they just showed the entire horseman segment oh, again God. or they've done that a couple of times where they play an entire segment mm-hmm. but they did play we'll get into it but a couple of segments that they did play went weirdly longer than they probably should have uh, i imagine because it was like oh we're running did anything else about four paid, or five yeah. minutes short so um but yeah in the fallout from halloween havoc return to a thunder tape before it and as i wrote my notes here that should tell you all you need to know tony tells us we're really getting into it and you can tell you know how much how vague they're supposed to be that there's boy there's been a whole lot going on um they promised to revisit Halloween Havoc and Nitro, which will tell you even more about the show. Uh, Raven versus Giant in the main event is among the matches we will see tonight. Uh, I I did enjoy Brain's first uh, jab on the show, which he said, you know, Raven is a guy who likes pain. If he likes pain, he's going to be the happiest man on earth by the end of the night, having to wrestle the Giant. That was a good one. Um, our opening contest, setting the tone. Van Hammer and his incense stick versus wrath oh boy <laughs> yeah the incense stick so I'm guessing they didn't want them coming out with a fucking a what what should we call it a uh, a jazz cigarette <laughs> uh, jazz cigarette <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah I'm guessing that's what they didn't want but this is what they were implying yeah Oh god, I'm watching last year's Rumble. Remember Eric Rowan and his fucking spider? Yeah. Uh Which was your favourite Eric Rowan gimmick, the spider or the Vintner? Um I preferred Big Red on AEW to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the, <laughs> the Vintner. <laughs> Everyone forgets the Vintner, my man. Uh, oh god. You know. Remember he was the smartest man in the world, yeah. That was yeah. fun. Um, they do mention as well as if the incense thing wasn't uh, overdoing it enough they mentioned that that Van had recently moved to Haight-Ashbury um, are you familiar with Haight-Ashbury? no so that's the notorious like the hippie section of San Francisco oh okay right fair enough makes sense if ever you see any like hugely kind of um, hippie section of a city in a film it was probably filmed in Haight-Ashbury um, I was in San Francisco a few years ago and Haight-Ashbury is a lovely part of the world. Oh. It's very colourful. Um, it's it's a really nice, like for the most part, San Francisco is a really nice city. Mm. It's like, it's kind of like a lot of American cities where when you peer behind it too hard, it's very depressing because the, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but the rich poor divide in that city is absolutely shocking. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd imagine it will be. like You I- turn... You turn one corner and it's like the the Twitter headquarters, mm-hmm. and then you turn the next corner and it's literally anything up to about like a hundred homeless people. Jesus. So it's in like, it's in the big kind of like Silicon Valley mm-hmm. area of California. So it's got the highest, or at least it did, if it's been toppled relatively recently. Um, it did have the highest rents, uh, of any continental American city. Um, so the, yeah, the rich port divide is shocking, but we had like, it is a beautiful city as mm-hmm. well in parts. Um, we went out to Alcatraz oh, nice. f- for the day, which was awesome. You can see Alcatraz and Angel Island, uh, 
anything happening down uh, by the water uh, on the piers is fantastic. There's a great aquarium down there. We were there for two of the biggest events in the San Francisco calendar. One of them we were there intentionally for, which was the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fantastic. And then the other thing we didn't realize we had planned it in time for was San Francisco Gay Pride, oh. which was one of the biggest parties you will ever see in your life. It was awesome. I'd say it was great, yeah. Yeah, it was a great, like, and we stayed in the, um, we stayed in this hotel, I can't remember the name of it, and I figured out about a week into it that it was the hotel that they filmed scenes from Vertigo in. Okay. So, like, everywhere you turn there, there's something, you know, historic, and, oh, Lee, you, my man, would love the fucking food there. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. So there's a place, I can't think of the name of it, I have to look it up. Firstly, the the world headquarters of the, you know, the Girardelli chocolates? Yes. Are there. Uh, also, there's a place right on the pier, is it Pier 47? But anyway, uh, on the pier, there's a place we went for lunch that will do you a massive, fresh sourdough bread bowl. So it's about the size of your fucking head. They cut it open, they hollow it out, and they put in either, in this place, it was either chowder or chili. Oh, wow. And then they give you the lid off the bread bowl to dip as well. Oh, my God. And it is. Oh, my God. And they are like, the loaves are fresh made to order. Oh, Lee. <laughs> I want a, br- I I want, I want a bread bowl chowder. Oh, chowder. <laughs> yeah. It's a... It's a wonderful city. I, I, it was one of my favourite holidays I've ever been on. It would probably be my favourite had I not been to Italy last year. I'll tell you what, you and your holidays. I know, yeah. Well, they're a fucking distant memory at this stage. And by last year, I obviously been 2019. Because yeah. this all counts as one year, this, that we're missing <laughs> now. Um, well, I heard you mentioned Angel Islands there that you went to visit in San Francisco. Yeah. Did you hear where Rat originates from? No. Devil's Island. Oh, so not San Francisco. <laughs> no. Devil's Island. Okay. <laughs> now, I looked up Devil's Island thinking this had to be like, you know, some kind of nuclear blast location or yeah, something like that, you know? No, no. Yeah, it definitely would have been too soon for them to actually start naming nuclear disaster sites. coming from Chernobyl rat yeah (laughs) but at the same time with some of the stuff they tried to get away with in WCW would you have been surprised no I really wouldn't but it turns out uh, Devil's Island was just a penal colony penal colony I can't fucking speak today Um, (laughs) yeah of the French penal colony that was operated in the 19th and 20th century in French Guiana there you go see like people are learning on this show man but you know (laughs) What's that got to do with Rat? I don't know. I think he honestly just looked up places and went, oh, Devil's Island, I'm from there. Could they have done like, you know, Bikini Atoll or something, you know, where they did the test sites? Mm. But it doesn't, um, it doesn't say, it? like, the, the first things you look up, it just says that. Yeah. Uh, what could you do? Maybe he is from French Guiana, who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though, Lee. Much like us, the crowd already doesn't give a fuck about this match. Oh my god, the, cr- the crowd are fucking dead. Not just this, this match, is... the, the crowd yeah. are just may as well be non-existent. So something we keep harping on about on the show, Lee, is the art of picking the right match to open a show. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a pay-per-view or a TV show. And I think even more important than that might be picking the opening match for the second half of a double shot. Yep. 
because you need something to get people in and to get people hyped. Not just the people in the building, but to make it look like a hot match on TV when mm-hmm. people are watching it. And I won't ha- I won't harp on it too much, but you know who's great at that? AEW. Who's that? Yeah, they are. There's always something happening right at the start of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't always pan out. Sometimes they're, you know, quite messy affairs to open it. But yeah, their first 10 minute hooks are really good. Um... But yeah, I, I can't blame the crowd for not being into it. This is just two lumbering oafs. Um, I I do enjoy Tony trying to keep up the whole, you know, they talk about uh, Wrath being a physical specimen in all his matches and he refers to him as the big man here. And I'm looking at it going, I think Van Hammer is slightly bigger I than I think him. he is, yeah. I think yeah. Van Hammer is like a legit, a very large man. Yeah. So it kind of undercuts that a bit. Uh, but this match, you know, there's no real need to break it down because it's every wrath match. Well, it it's during this match that we learn in big, enormous news for us. Yes. That on Monday Night Nitro, there was a tag team title match. Indeed. And we have... Do you tell the people what happened? We have new tag team champions. Who are the new tag of. team champions? Maybe. I don't know if I don't know if it counts as a new reign or not, but Rick Steiner. Who is it? Rick Steiner looked around the WCW locker room on Monday night, and yeah. he decided of all the hundred and ninety people that were under contract and probably there that day, that he was going to pick Kenny Chaos <laughs> of, of Ride Rage. That he would be his new tag team partner. Yeah. Just let that sink in there for a minute. Now, I I don't want to, you know, take this too far, but I think it's fair to say that Scott Steiner was the brains of the operation. <laughs> I think even though it didn't seem like it when we watched this promo later on that no, night. But no. yeah, in hindsight, certainly seems, you know, it's a low bar to clear. But yeah, my God. I mean, my look, God. neither neither wrestling character is a member of Mensa, but you know. I don't know. Yeah. I think I would pick a better partner than Kenny Chaos. You would think. I mean, if you Kenny Chaos was a really good tag wrestler, wouldn't he already be tag team champion with his regular partner? Or at least with at least within a country mile of the number one contender spot. Yeah. You know, but as we'll learn with Rick Steiner, picking partners isn't always his strong point. It doesn't seem to be fucking anyone's strong suit in this company, Lee, I don't mind saying. <laughs> Look, we had our rant last week about the tag team titles. Yeah. <laughs> and long will it continue, my friend. Um, so yeah, it was every Wrath match you've ever seen and it ends the way every Wrath match does with the uh, the meltdown. The only highlights I have of the match here, Lee, are uh, a, a power slam that about halfway through the power slam Van Hammer regretted doing because <laughs> instead of going down for the power slam, he tries to do the cane onto his knees bump. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the replay being sponsored by Glover. Uh, adorable animated platform N64 platformer Glover. Is that what it was, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's... Like, I already played a little bit of it because I think it was one of those... Back when you used to be able to rent video games from a... From Chartbuster. Like from a Chartbusters or an Extra Vision. Our equivalent of Blockbuster, by the way, to our US friends. Um, Glover was one of the early games that I remember renting. Um, Hang on, did, did, did it have Chartbuster in the US? I can't... I wasn't in the US at the time, being a child and all. Uh, <laughs> you mean you didn't go on holidays? 
<laughs> not to the US. I didn't go to the the US until 2016 for the first time. So, and you've never yeah, left. Yeah, a bit behind on that. <laughs> uh, I was so I wasn't over there renting in the 90s. I, I, but you get I, the concept. I, must, I'm I have, sure. to, have to ask me: Was it just Blockbuster in the US, or did you just have Carbuster? All the fucking things to pull me up on. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen, just, you know, you should know these things. So I ask questions, you should have the answers. <laughs> right. Well, that's me told anyway. <laughs> We get a, a flashback to the Battle of Europe with, with Finley and Alex oh, Wright. God. And I was like, why did they show like two minutes of this? You know why. This is the first time I was like, oh, they're running short on this show. Because they showed like, they just cut in at a random point. It wasn't mm-hmm. like right as they built to the finish. It was like a couple, a minute passed and then they started moving towards the finish. It just felt very arbitrary. Um, and then we see why they showed us that because oh no it's the rematch does it count as the rematch considering it happened before the match well, this is the thing is it the pre-match I had a lot of thoughts about this match which is incredible for a match that wasn't very good uh, Fit Finley versus Alex Wright 2 or 1 depending on who you are <laughs> and like it, I think it was something you said to me or maybe it was something you tweeted out of all the matches mm-hmm. of all the matches from Halloween Havoc this is the one you decide to, to, to do again. Yep. That's why I said to you. Why? Yeah. Everything. Like, it had, like, 14 matches. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to do DDB Goldberg. You're not going to do um, Warrior Hogan. But of the other 12 matches, or whatever there was on the card, you pick this match Yeah. to put on TV. Yeah. Four, four, five days later, four days later? Yeah. Oh, and- man. Like the weirdness of this feud continues as well because so Fit Finley spends a lot of this match working the leg, which our friend Jamesy will obviously like the idea of working mm-hmm. the leg. But something he will not like is the fact that as much as Finley worked the leg, immediately when it was time for Wright to go in the offense, he just wasn't selling it. Yep. He just totally ignores it. Like Finley is break is screaming at him, I'm gonna break your leg like I broke your ass. Yeah. Is it that Fit Finley and Tony Shivani are the only people in the entire company that know that this is supposed to be part of the story I think Bobby brings it up Bobby's oh, so Bobby brings it up yeah, this time Bobby brings it up yeah so two yeah two people in the company know this it's ridiculous I just wrote I'm well fucked off about this <laughs> because on a meaningless yeah so on a meaningless tape thunderly this is the one of their two matches where they play up the leg angle mm-hmm. you got none of this on the pay-per-view no which makes and this, no this sense is the match several did, days after the pay-per-view where you go, oh yeah, no, we should do that. No, but the puzzling part is they did this and then went to the pay-per-view and totally ignored that they did it. Yeah. So no matter what way you look at it, it's bad. So. I wrote this. I said, bear in mind three things here when you're thinking about how stupid this is. Number one, this is not the match on a pay-per-view that people might want to pay for. So you're doing the whole, you know, I ended your father's career, I'm going to break your leg as well thing. Mm-hmm. And all wrestling logic dictates if you're going to do that, you do that on the pay-per-view where people are like, oh my God, I need to tune in because Fit Finley is going to try and end this guy's career. Like I know realistically probably not not a lot of people that weren't in either man's immediate family were going to buy it for that, but you got to try at least. Um, Number two... This is on a taped show as part of a double shot. So the people in this audience have not yet watched the thunder where this detail is initially brought up. Mm-hmm. 
So the live audience have no clue what the fuck he's doing. And then number three, Wright is neither physically nor psychologically selling this angle like it's a big deal at all. No. And he is in that standing figure four, I think is the only way you can describe it for, I want to say two minutes. (laughs) It felt like two hours. Oh, it felt a lot longer, but it was a legit like two, two and a half minutes. Yeah. And commentary are trying, trying as they will, going, oh, this is the move that broke his leg. And and Finley is screaming as such at Roy. You know, this is move if I broke your dad's leg with and blah, 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 blah. And then it just goes to the finish. Yeah, and like, well, he he run through a couple of spots. Like, even does a missile drop kick at one stage. Does Alex does a missile does a missile drop kick, uh, which obviously, as you said, utilizes the bad leg, but also in something that doesn't actually really factor into the finish at all. The ref bumps. Yeah, Finley gets drop kicked into the ref. Yeah, and that doesn't play into the finish because Finley just grabs him and tombstones him and wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just awful shit. Like absolutely like, awful. For a guy who gets lauded so much as being a worker's worker and a common sense. I think we've debunked that at this stage. I think so. Like, and I've still, like, after our last show, I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody who we both follow whose opinions I kind of generally would go along with. And I saw them just completely, because it was before we'd even published the show. Mm. So it wasn't like we put out the show and then it made them think about it. They just independently were watching some Finley and talk about what a master of psychology and stuff like that was. But I haven't seen one bit of evidence in this company yet of that guy. Now, you could say that even by end of 1998 maybe he's one of the early guys who just fucking gave up and he's just there collecting a paycheck but Jesus like the psychology of this match was just lazy mm-hmm. and all over the place and the two of them are on completely different pages reading fucking different books if you ask me and I mean they really shouldn't be when you consider they have that shared history yeah and it's not like Alex Wright's English is bad no. <laughs> where he couldn't get across what he wanted to do with the match to Alex Wright or Finley doesn't have some basis of German having wrestled there for fucking donkey's years yeah Ah, uh, like really piss poor, and this put me in a real bad mood for a while on this show. Um, we go back to Nitro, where JJ Dillon is asked who his favorite of the Steiners is, as Scott believes he was screwed by the office at the pay per view. Scott wants to know why the ref was a, a different ref by the end of the match, and Lee he must try six or seven times to say that. Just gonna say the fact that you understood that. Yeah. Shows we're watching way too much WCW because Scott Steiner bumbles his way into asking these two questions that he ends up asking six questions. Yeah. And he still never quite gets to saying, why did the original referee not finish the match? Yeah, I say he tries six or seven times. That's not to say on the six or seven time he got it right. So that's why he stopped asking. I think they just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. He never said it right. And yeah, it's not quite Steiner math levels of iconic word salad. But it's not far off. Yeah, and poor poor, poor Buff, is st- Buff is standing in the background just looking totally confused by all this and just almost feeling sorry, I think, for Steiner. Yeah. It, it reminded me very much of the... Um, less of the Steiner math promo and more of the, the Sid uh, man with half the brain promo. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was kind of like to me. Um. God, it was like, and we, again, 
we are so on record as being into mm-hmm. the the Buff and Scott pairing. Um, so this was really disappointing. The one thing I'll notice from this is uh, Steiner's gear. It's the the this is the gear now. He's found the gear. He's found the Superman trunks. Mm-hmm. So we are we are pretty much got the the fully molded big papa pump white thunder <laughs> is but a memory now sorry i'm watching last year's rumble and keek lee just came out <laughs> oh big boy and at that stage, it's actually at the stage where he gets into the ring and brock points at him and got asks Heyman, "Ooh, who's this guy <laughs> yeah oh it's great um brock oh god we need more the, brock i know this uh, segment ends with them attacking JJ and putting him in the recliner before the useless Doug Dillinger comes out and tries to break it up. <clears throat> then we have a match I'm sure you were salivating at the prospect of, Lee. Disciple versus Tough Tom. I mean, what can you say? <laughs> I mean, people talk about dream matches. <laughs> When you were it's, getting the disciple and tough Tom on a Monday night, and you have to watch the show to talk about it, I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any better than this. No, it's the absolute peak of the 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 mat based arts, isn't it? Um, God, God, it's awful. <laughs> it's a horrendous. Tough Tom starts off with a flurry of offense. He hits a reverse neck breaker. That disciple just decides to no sell. Um. But not to, like it's weird because like he's not he's not not doing the one warrior nation stuff where he's emulating the warrior, but he's also he's not doing it either. You know what I mean? It feels like one of those things where maybe he came out for this match and they had no idea where they were going with that thing after the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So like keep it a bit ambiguous. No sell stuff like the warrior, but don't overdo it. Or else he just thought I'm fucking the disciple. I don't need to sell for this geek. Yeah. Uh. Uh, he hits his horrendous apocalypse for the win. Oh, God. And then me and Mike, his, uh, Tough Tom's tag partner, gets another one for good measure. Um, the only redeemable part of this match whatsoever uh, is Brain saying, Tough Tom, Salty Sally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. That's the most important part. Yeah. Then, thank Christ, like uh, an angel from up above, we are saved by two fantastic men. Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. A beautiful oasis in the middle of this show, Lee. I didn't think the match... I, I think they mentioned the match at the start, didn't I? And I was just like, ah, they're not going to deliver on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It felt like one of those bait-and-switch ones. And this was something that after our, our tweet we got in from McLaren about how we put up with this stuff, uh, Dave replied to them. Yeah. Uh, replied to him and said, uh, because this match... Yeah, and it's true because they get over ten minutes for this one, and it's excellent. And, and uh, I'll do, do you know what? Eddie coming out, he has that oh. new little mix in his song, the LWO mix. Yeah, and he has the bandana, the glasses, the greasy hair, the LWO shirt. Yeah, and God, he looks phenomenal. He just I looks re- like a star. I wrote almost exactly that down word for word. Now, we see a couple of seconds into the match why he has the shades because he Mm -hmm. has an absolute shiner on the eye. But I wrote very little for this match because we it was just beautiful professional wrestling. Yeah, Uh, we've mentioned on the show, like when we're getting a match like this, we're not fucking sitting to take notes because 
it's just so it's just an enjoyable like you, you know what you're going to get you're going to get two good wrestlers who are just going to have a nice little tv match it's there to fill time especially when you see the finish you know that they were sent out just to take up time on the show yeah like they, there's no solid plans for either guy at this point so, like, it's just kind of more exposure for the LWO. They're in there mixing it up with the horsemen. I'm assuming they want to kind of, like, establish them at some kind of level, to a degree. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, God, this was just this was just nice wrestling. Yeah. they um, There's, like, quick exchanges on Matt wrestling at the start, and that's when I realized I actually haven't written anything in a few minutes because it's just a treat watching mm-hmm. them. Um. Eddie gets winded at one point, which gives Dean an opening to try the cloverleaf. And, you know, one of my favorite things about Eddie is just how smart he is to sense danger. So as soon as uh, uh, Dean attempts a cloverleaf, he gets uh, some space from him, bails completely out of the ring and starts mouthing with a fan as if, you know, I'm not cowering away. I'm coming out to confront you, sir. Um <laughs> Slimy Eddie Guerrero comes in on one knee to try and offer a truce to Malenko. He doesn't buy it and keeps attacking him. And I love that because that plays into you're not going to fool a horseman, son. Mm-hmm. Um, commentary makes a note. And I love this. So, you know, I, I, we don't love when they digress for too long in a match, especially a good match like this. But they do talk about the WCW title match from Halloween Havoc. And they underscore the fact that in the aftermath of that match, they all firmly believe that both Goldberg and DDP came out of it looking better than they mm-hmm. had before. You know, they talk about, yes, Goldberg is still undefeated. He is still the man and the company, but what a showing by Page. No one has ever pushed Goldberg to the limit like that. So I fucking love that little bit of detail there. I, I, if- think, I think it's Bobby Heenan that actually says, at one point he said, you know, DDP lost, but he came out even stronger than he went in. Like, he outright says it, you know, yeah, he may have lost, but that doesn't matter. And I yeah. think they, they, they mentioned copious times that he rebounded the next night on Nitro. Yeah. Yeah, which they do mention several times, mm. as you said, yeah. Um, so, Eddie, feeling his oats at one point, hit some signature stuff like the slingshot senton, which, you know, we've gushed enough about on the show. Big old superplex from Dean. Uh, they brawl outside for a bit. Uh Eddie attempts to shift, like, uh, he goes for the gory special and then tries to turn it into a roll-up. Little bit awkward. I think it was a thing where it probably, in his head, was going to come off a bit smoother than it did. It wasn't mm. bad, but it was just a, a little bit more awkward than you'd expect from these two guys. Um, then Dean starts stomping him in the corner, and at that, the LWO and the Horsemen are out for the DQ. Um, as you say, that kind of shows that there's not really... It's kind of a holding pattern for mm-hmm. both of them, this match. It's not really, this was going to be a big consequential match. Two details, though, Lee. This might be the best Mongo moment of all time in a good way and not like we've had good Mongo moments in ironic ways <laughs> many times. But this might be the best, my favourite showing from Mongo ever on a Thunder. And I, I don't mean that ironically because he just gets in the ring. And to use the parlance of our time, he just starts yeeting cunts out of the ring by their necks. <laughs> I think two, maybe three of them, he just grabs them round the throat and hoofs them out over the top rope. And I was I was into Mongo for about five seconds. Well, here's the thing. Would you have rather Chris Benoit do that to you or would you have rather Mongo do that to you? I mean, that's a tough call. Um, 
Because, like, one of them is going to stiff you because they're bad at wrestling, and the other one is going to stiff you because it'll look good. And because you, know? you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So, I think either way, you're getting a bit fucked up on that mm-hmm. spot. Uh, and the other observation I had, Lee, is that even though this is very much a holding pattern match, I would be absolutely down for the LWO Four Horsemen 10-man oh, tag. God, yes. <laughs> I would be so into it. I would love a, a Flair Eddie uh, promo off. Especially like, in 90, like they had a feud in, I think it was 96. Yeah. Over the US title. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it was 95. Um, but yeah. In 96, like, 90, he's, he has the feud with Conan because we covered that on Bash at the Beach. Bash at the Beach, yeah. And I think Eddie had already been US champ at that stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like 98, give me, you know, You'd be talking about Flair, Mongo, uh, Benoit, and Malenko. So then you'd have like Eddie, Psychosis, Laparka. Yeah, you'd have to have Laparka. And I don't know. Who else? Damien? Yeah, possibly. Although, given where things are going, you know, maybe they tried to get Chavo in and make it a worse match. We'll talk about that in a minute. And indeed we will, because our next match is Chavo versus Kid. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's Sorry. not. Oh, thank God. Jumping the gun. Woo! We missed one. Disco versus Jericho, world television title. And I wrote, this is the first match where now I'm afraid why Lee said I would hate the show. Mm-hmm. There's two, crew- there's two title matches in a row where I'm like, oh, no. Is our beloved champion going to lose the belt to someone one of us hates? And that's what I thought was going to happen here. Hang on, hang on. So, we, we both hate Chavo. No, well, yes, we both hate Chavo. <laughs> but in, in my case, I would be the one fearing Disco where it might be the greatest day of your life. Which is why I was worried that you said I specifically would hate this show. Do you know what? Without, um, without looking up the results, I did think this was going to be a total change. Yeah, I was worried. Um, Disco gets on the mic. He says he knows Jericho is a great champ and a man of respect. Jericho poses like a doofus holding onto his belt while this happens. And he says he knows Jericho respects him and the fact that he was a two-time champ. He says Jericho should do the respectful thing and just put the belt around his waist. Jericho complies with this. The ref is absolutely baffled. <laughs> and he gets the belt around him and then Jericho lifts his arm up and then clotheslines him. Uh, which is an incredible like it's one of those weird you know we've had this discussion on the last couple of shows Lee it, has Jericho turned um, he's been feels- a, lot, a lot of face leaning stuff lately hasn't he yeah but even in this spot so like because Disco obviously on the mic is a heel here mm-hmm. and the clothesline spot is definitely a baby face pop for Jericho but then he immediately starts stomping him and not letting him get up and starts acting really heelish so it's just yeah. like I, I don't fucking know like he's a proper tweener really I think I think uh, he starts stomping him and screaming at him I'm the champ I'm the champ yeah <laughs> but, um, um, I did notice on the way out there was a couple of Jericho tree Goldberg O signs yeah so that's like he is organically over yeah the feud of Greenberg got him over mm-hmm. for sure um, and this is, yeah, so he's stomping him and then he attempts to whip Disco with the belt. Uh, the ref stops him, which allows Disco to hit the swinging neckbreaker for a near fall and then an attempted roll up. Uh, I love the bit where Jericho goes back outside to coach Ralphus to try and get advice. <laughs> yeah, Disco takes over and um, Jericho takes a powder and he just goes over to Ralphus for advice of all people. Yeah. You know, that, that ring vet Ralphus. Yeah, it just reminds me of that story Jericho tells about uh, 
about him trying to, you know, stand there and look mean, Ralphus, and then he turns around and he's just like, hey, how you doing? Talking to the people <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> um, uh... So, yeah, back in the ring, Disco attempts another cover. Uh, Jericho hangs Disco up on the ropes to regain control. I really do like... so. I, I will put over Disco here, so try to stay in your seats, Hang on, I'm gonna uh, Lee, Lee and Chris. Um, the thing I really like about Disco in this match is that he is constantly trying to finish Jericho as quick as possible. And that's something I said uh, that was missing from... Mm-hmm. And this is, again, somebody doing a better thing in their head than what they did on the pay-per-view because we were given out about how Disco wasn't trying to finish things quickly on the pay-per-view. But here, on a match that happens chronologically before the pay-per-view but is broadcast afterwards, he's doing the thing that he should have done on the pay-per-view. Very frustrating in a way, but as a kind of isolated performance, I did enjoy that. Um, I did think Disco getting this title challenge continues on this kind of confused level of the TV title and the Cruiserweight title being like a mishmash of the same challengers. Yeah. Um, and it's something they do um, talk about in the next match as well. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll come back to that about them kind of like maybe the TV title being at most a half step up from the Cruiserweight belt. Yeah. But the way I think the way they put it forward on commentary in the next match is better than the way it kind of comes across on mm-hmm. TV a lot of the time, which is, yeah, they're interchangeable jobber titles sometimes. Um, what, Jericho what? does his uh, flex and come on baby pin. I was pin. just going to say, I think this is one of the first instances we get of the proper come on baby pin. Yeah, and that, that's definitely a heel move, you know. <laughs> is it though? For sure. <laughs> Well, I love it, but yeah. Uh, it'd definitely be a heel move now with dad bod Jericho turn a flex. Oh, Although one thing I pointed out in talking to our, our good friends Jeff and Chris in our group chat is that it's very hilarious after NBA Twitter that week caught sight of Jericho and started burying him for being out of shape. I don't know if you've looked at that guy's arms and shoulders in the last three or four weeks. He's started working out he, again, has he? He started hitting the weights. It's very, very clear. He's getting ready he's for his ve- big face run, that's why. Yeah, he's very proud of his his arms and his shoulders at the moment because he had that new gear oh, last week. sleeveless top, yeah. And it was sleeveless and he was definitely like, not flexing, but you know where you kind of half flex as you're standing trying to look like you're not flexing, but you clearly are? You think he's going full Ron Burgundy backstage and oh. call, calling people into the room and then he's going, 97. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> Um, uh. so it's all Jericho now he goes up top for a splash but he eats a boot from the floor uh, atomic drop and now Disco senses an opening he stays on Jericho attempting a cover uh, does a Brett's rope forearm drop uh, he sets up what is referred to as a, the a, macar- a Brett rope forearm drop yeah well I, you know in the in, in the theme of I think the uh, are, are taking the legacy from the the iconic Irish wrestling podcast OSW they refer to the middle rope as Brett's rope ah uh, so because that is if you ever it's something that until they talked about it I never noticed as much is that Brett is always a middle rope and not a top rope mm-hmm. guy <laughs> so they christened it Brett's rope not fair enough uh, and it's something that even a um, friend of their show, Chris Charlton, has mentioned Brett's Rope on co- commentary for New Japan. Oh, I've never seen I've never noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's a thing now. It's an official term in the wrestling lexicon. Um, so he does his Brett's Rope forearm drop. 
Disco sets up what is now seemingly referred to, on commentary at least, as the Macarena pile driver. <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you think of Disco's new insistence on doing this hot new dance to Macarena? Well, I love that the first time we ever saw him do it was on Halloween Havoc, where Tony <laughs> immediately buried it. And that is my my stance on it as well, as my God. Um, but it doesn't make any sense because the Macarena is not a disco dance. But anyway. I mean, look, it's that doesn't have to make sense. Look, it's two shows in a row where I've put over disco, so I, I'm not going to... I'm going to give you and Chris that and I'm going to reserve it for the next time he shits the bed. Um, Which will be now. Jericho reverses the pile driver attempt into the lion tamer. Disco nearly gets to the ropes, but Jericho drags him back and Disco th- taps out. Decent match, I thought, and thankfully the right guy won. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with that. No. Uh, our next match, we have back-to-back title matches here. It's Chavo versus Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. At which point I said, I am now deathly afraid of why Lee said I would hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> Setting your expectations low, my friend. Uh, commentary mentions that Chavo has talked about establishing a Pepe World Order, and I want to ban all of wrestling forever. <laughs> This is the point at which they... So during this match, they talk about the idea of progression in your career and in WCW. And it's Brain and Tanae talking about it. So you know they're going to try and uh, make sense of it all. They talk about how, with a bit more experience and a long title reign, they can easily see Kidman being able to mix it up with heavyweights. They cite the example of our current TV champ, Jericho, Mm -hmm. as a guy who went back to the cruiserweight division, found his niche, and then progressed on to better things. Um... So, in theory, that's cool. You know, it's showing how this is your career path mm-hmm. and very much in the way, I, I think, in the prime era of, say, the Intercontinental title over the border in WWF, that was why the Intercontinental title was so great yep. was because you got the sense that these are the world champions of tomorrow. Yep. That's all out the fucking window now. Uh, and... <laughs> As I point out in the middle of this match, I say, now this is WCW and they have an ungodly low glass ceiling. So in real life, the idea of this progression is absolute bollocks. <laughs> but in kayfabe, it's definitely a cool notion. Yeah, um, but when you instantly think about it, like who can you think has made that progression in the last couple of years in WCW? I mean, yeah, what's usually happening now, so in theory, it's a great idea, but in practice, what you're having is people who probably were cruiserweights mm-hmm. moved on to the US title or the TV title and then end up having to go back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Jericho went back to the cruiserweight division. Disco went back to the yep. cruiserweight division and literally just this week is now back in the TV title division. Malen- so Malenko and like- Eddie had, at one stage were US champs and had to go back. Yeah. It seems like it in it, so in theory it's a great idea, but in practice, what's actually happening is like the cruiserweight division is rehabilitation, mm-hmm. um, and for some people, TV title is rehabilitation as well. So like some of the US title contenders get knocked back to TV title, um, and definitely world title contenders. Obviously, it's it it makes more sense with the US belt. Like world title contenders get knocked back because you can still book failed world title contenders very strong. Yeah. And if you keep the US title itself very strong, it's still an important It's still belt. important, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, in WCW, in practice, trash. 
uh, and WWF, it wasn't many more years after this before it firmly became a mid-card title. Like, I think even by 2000, really. I um, mean, the, I it was... You, you want to say the last important IC champ was probably Kurt? Well, no, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that, that Kurt, Jericho, Benoit era. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, like, the, the era at which Jericho and Benoit were really competing over it was like many years before Benoit got a real world title push mm-hmm. and yet yeah, technically Jericho progressed to become the undisputed champion but we all know how that reign went and it was really only who's the guy that will lose to Triple H mm-hmm. unfortunately so yeah the last person of that era who was truly elevated after his intercontinental title reign was Kurt yeah because Kurt went Eurocontinental champion then won King of the Ring and then was, you know, by the summer, a world title contender. Actually, do you know what? I'll give them credit. They did one later on and it was, it was actually with the US title. was Cena. Yeah, yeah. Look, they've had, you know, one or two here or there and some they've gotten right to the precipice and just not pulled the trigger. Uh, I think of Shelton Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Shelton Benjamin as a great intercontinental champion and somebody who they had him beat Triple H on yeah. Raw and it was like you really could have got behind that guy and they just didn't because it was Reign of Terror Triple H Jeff as um, well in what well, oh, Jeff what, what was uh, his really good IC reign so he he had a great was that the one where he lost it to Triple H during the two man power trip that was a one would have yeah. been yeah was yeah he, his, he, his good he won it from Triple H in a shock on Smackdown and then yeah. lost a straight back. Yeah. Um, and then he, like, so for many years, his only mm-hmm. real world title shot was the uh, the excellent the ladder, ladder match, match with Undertaker. Yeah. Um, RVD was another one. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I loved him as a mid-card champion. And that guy should have been made a world champion. He was so, in spite of the invasion, that guy was one of the most popular people on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane was a guy who like was intercontinental champion on and off during that period. And, you know, even though he's obviously not, the, not nearly the caliber of wrestlers, some of the people we've already mentioned was a guy who at various times was so over, he probably deserved more yep. world title runs than he ever got. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones now, uh, intercontinental champions, like obviously Daniel Bryan. Uh, yeah. I remember he was going to make that the most important title. Yeah. He he had the US title run as well. He did because he beat the Miz for it. Um, God, I'm trying to think of other ones now. That's an interesting thought exercise. Actually, no. Do you know who one of the ones that they actually properly elevated was? Although, again, it was several on and off moments. Was Edge because Edge was an Intercontinental Champion, and then they kind of pushed him as a single star on SmackDown mm-hmm. for a while without ever quite. Making him world champion. Well, are you thinking of like the weird period where he came back to Raw then and he was icy champion and was getting booed and Yeah. I think like like I say, like I just watched the two thousand rumble. Edge was ready. Like well sorry, he wasn't ready, but he was over. He was a guy who organically was getting so over mm-hmm. that they should have pulled the trigger on him and they didn't pull it for so long that people that just people, got over yeah, him. That that's what exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, and he was excellent. And yeah, there has been numerous stories, as we said, of guys who got to the point that they should have been propelled. Do you know what? Again, one they did right. Randy Orton. Oh my God. I Look, this is the thing. I know Randy Orton bores us all to tears mm-hmm. now, 
But that Randy Orton Intercontinental title was fantastic. It was amazing, yeah. And I loved the Legend Killer thing. Mm-hmm. It was such great heat. It's that the fact that they killed the world title run within a month that killed Orton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, that, that run was great. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be leaving this podcast and going back to watch like loads of old WWF stuff. <laughs> I'm going to come up with... Actually, do you know what? Give us... This is this is a good thing, even though it's not WCW related. Give us your... Actually, it can be WCW related. We can talk about US champions. Give us your favorite ones of those people who were like had memorable for you or kind of a consensus memorable uh, mid-card title run that they should have been propelled onto a world title, but circumstances or the person with, with too much influence in the back, be it Hogan or Triple H, blocked it and people went off the boil on them. Was your favorite in those uh, an RVD or a Jeff Hardy mm. or is there somebody we haven't mentioned yet? Um, I think particularly in recent years, there's probably loads that the two of us, because we've gotten more and more tuned out that we aren't thinking of. Yeah. Like, obviously, one we can think of that he got an Intercontinental title, but they didn't really push him with it. And uh, he showed why he should have been bigger than he ever was, was Brody Lee. Yep. Um. So, yeah, I bet that the Intercontinental and US title histories are real depressing for guys that should have been more than they were i'm trying i'm trying to think was cody ever over as icy champ like he was the one that brought back didn't he bring he brought back the The white strap strap. and that the old design so he had um i loved when he was doing the uh the bit with his broken face yeah see that's what i'm thinking like he was i think he was icy champ around then and i can't remember if it was actually over ray on that mania 27 think i think he might have yeah yeah because that that's a that's such a weird wrestlemania like because you have punk and orton as that show as well isn't it god yeah it would be yeah which has a great finish as well because he goes to do the springboard clothesline mm-hmm. and gets caught in rko i actually forgot punk and orton was a fucking wrestlemania match jesus yeah yeah do you know the weirdest part of that is well that's like a few months before the pipe bomb. That was New Nexus Punk. God, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so strange. Yeah. I think that's the year. I think that's the year. That was like an era where they were... They were making it look like they were pushing new people, but they really weren't. Yeah. Oh my god. What were we even fucking talking about, Lee? I've... I don't know. Remember <laughs> Alistair Black? Because he just came into this match and I just thought of him for the first time in months. Yeah. Um, oh, it was the um, it was the Chavo match. It's not... It's the Chavo Kidman match. It's not really that good. No, like, it's not. It's Chavo. Yeah, Kidman is definitely trying. You know? Um, but, you know, you can only polish a turd so much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cody, Rey Mysterio, Orton, CM Punk are on this. Do you, will I read this card to you? Okay, let me think. Mania 27, so that was... You'd be talking 2011, right? Yeah. So that was special guest host Rock. Yes. Okay, so Miz Cena was the main event. Yeah. Um, 27. Was there still a Money in the Bank on that one? Uh, nope. Oh God. Uh, was there an icy ladder match? 
uh no this was one of the this was part of the do you remember there was a few years long streak where the intercontinental title was just absent yes okay so that's one of them yeah i honestly cannot think of another match that was on that show oh right so you got the miz with alex riley defeating john cena mm-hmm. i'm gonna go backwards from the top right okay so 27 Triple H had to have had a match, no? He did. 27. But that wasn't the semi-main. Who the fuck could Triple H have faced? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll give you the steps of matches without uh, mentioning who's in them okay, and see if you can get them. How about that? So the semi-main is a six-person mixed tag team match. The semi-main. Yes. Now, this was during the period where the semi-main event was okay. the piss break. Oh, um, six-person mixed tag team match. Uh-huh. I honestly have no idea. It was Dolph Ziggler and Lay Cool losing to the team of John Morrison, Trish Stratus, and Nicole Snooky Polizzi from the Jersey Shore. Okay. That match was 3 minutes and 16 seconds long. <laughs> Did Snooki have another appearance? Because I can remember doing something else. I'm not going to look up Snooki's cage match. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, next match. Um, the real A no-holds-barred match. A no-holds-barred match. Oh, 27. I, I couldn't tell you. It was... The Undertaker defeating Triple H by submission. This is the one where he passed out in the Hell's Gate oh, when he was okay, lifting up right, the hammer. Right, right, okay. Yeah. It was a really good match. Uh, it was probably better than the end of an era Hell in a Cell as a like a, a violent fight because mm. I think, you know, I, I think that the, the, the Hell in a Cell hasn't aged as well because it has a lot of the over top, Trope, over the top yeah. theatrics that have become a, an a, a Shawn Michaels era NXT annoyance to people. Mm-hmm. Whereas the no holds barred match is just the two of them battering each other for twenty nine minutes. <clears throat> the next match, a uh, by the way, we're kind of bailing out on talking about this match. Oh yeah, <laughs> this, this Chavo Kidman match. Kid, nothing kid, to say. Kidman wins. There you go. Yeah, Kidman wins. Uh, the LWO come out to try and tell uh, Chavo to drop Pepe and maybe they'll let him join if he earns it. Um, the next match here is a singles match with a special guest referee who will remain unnamed. Okay, you're going to have to give me something other than that because that's... It was won by... Um... Is, is it the, was won is by the, disqualification. Is ref- okay, is the referee... A celebrity or a wrestler? A wrestler. And I will say only one of the three people. Oh, sorry. If you include the referee, one of the four people, because one of the people in the match had somebody accompany them to ringside. Okay. So only one of the four people involved here could still be described as an active wrestler. They are all still alive as well. (laughs) I will say. Well, that's nice. Um, 
again, no idea. This card is just I am coming up with okay. nothing for this card. I will I will try this might trigger it. The special guest referee was Stone Cold Steve Austin. My God, was it was it Cole and Swagger against Lawler? It was Cole with Swagger yeah. defeating Lawler by disqualification. Oh my yes, twenty seven. Fucking hell! The peak of the coal mine era. Jesus, no wonder I don't remember this card. Yeah. Okay. One of the singles matches we mentioned before we started talking about the card. Cody, Cody Ray is it? Uh, it's the other one. Orton Punk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have. Then we have. I don't think there is a way on this earth you are going to get all the people in this. And if you do, I bow to you, sir. An eight-man tag team match. Okay, was this the Zack Ryder thing? Zack Ryder was not involved. Okay, all right. I thought, what was what was that Team Johnny, Team fucking Teddy? Oh, I think that was, that was an outdoor mania. Um. I think it might be in the next year. Um, yeah, yeah, it was because um, it's during the the punk. It's later on this summer. It's after. Vince. Oh yeah, when when they do the the, the big thing, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's um, when they install Johnny Ace because jo- Johnny Ace makes his first on screen appearance at Money in the Bank, doesn't he? Because he comes out with Vince to try in possibly, Montreal. Yes, yes, that. Geez, yeah, that might have been his first appearance actually. Um. God, eight man tag. I don't, I couldn't tell you. I don't think it matters. It is, it is the team of the core. Oh my Ezekiel god! Ezekiel Jackson, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, and Wade Barrett being defeated by the motley crew of Big Show, Kane, Kofi Kingston, and Santino. Wow. Yeah. Of four uh, people that you put together in a match, that is certainly four people. That is that is four people. <laughs> um that match went do you want to guess how long that match went? Three minutes twenty six seconds. One minute thirty two. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> then we had the Cody Ray match and then our opening match. Okay, open the match, twenty WrestleMania twenty seven. A singles match. Was it for a title? It was. Was it US title? It was not. Was it the IC title? It was not. Tag title? It was not. What the fuck? What other title is it? The women's title? It was not. What other title is there? It was the world heavyweight title. Big gold. Oh God, is this Alberto and Edge? It is. Jesus. Your Royal Rumble winner jobbing out in the opener to the man who would then retire, retire the next the week after. Yeah. Uh, we had two dark matches. I won't put you through figuring both of them out because one of them was a battle royal that the great Kali won by eliminating Sheamus. <laughs> Jesus. And then you might get the other dark match because it was a dark match that was going to be on the show but rather famously got bumped. No idea. I'll put it to you this way. It famously got bumped and then it would show up as the opener to the following WrestleMania. 
which would inadvertently start a groundswell for a particular wrestler. So it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And who did he face in that match that accidentally kickstarted his push? Sheamus. Yeah. They were bumped off in a US they were supposed to be in a US title match. Um so he was in on the, WrestleMania 27. He was in a singles match and a battle royal before the show started. Yeah. They got bumped off. It ended in no contest. Sheamus was the US champ going into this, by the way. And then, yeah, Sheamus showed up again in the Battle Royal. And it doesn't have the list of people who were in the Battle Royal. But for all I know, Brian was in the Battle Royal as well. It was one of the weirdest years. That I, on like, you asked me a couple of years ago, I could have named you every match that would happen on WrestleMania in order. But <laughs> since, like, I want to say... The early 2010s, it's just all just. It I think maybe stick in the memory at all. I th- I think maybe 23 is the last one where I could do a pretty good job of filling out the card. Yeah, I'd probably be around the same. I could get about half and half on maybe 24, and then after that, it's really sketchy mm-hmm. because of how momentous in a number of ways 30 was. I could do a good job at that, and I could probably do a half decent job of 31 as well. But, like, yeah. I couldn't even reliably fill out the card on the WrestleMania I was at, <laughs> I would say. Um, but, yeah. Because, yeah, w- one thing I always, I, it always tickles me when I remember it, is that I technically saw the, the Rock's last match. Because I was at WrestleMania 32, and technically he wrestles the Vintner. Listen, you got to see him set his name on fire. That's all that matters. And I also saw the three-man team of, I believe it was uh, Mick Foley, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Shawn Michaels Michaels getting a brawl with the League of Nations. (laughs) Right, we'll Uh, move back to WCW, except to say this, that I loved the League of Nations. Ah, the lads. (laughs) They call themselves the the lads. I, I've said this I definitely said this in the podcast before but the greatest post-match promo of all time is when the air was completely sucked out of the building because for some reason the League of Nations beat the New Day <laughs> and Wade Barrett hops on the mic and says that's right the lads have won <laughs> oh, they should have been so much more than they were Oh, I love them having their little meetings in the Hall of Flags. Great mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, yeah. Oh, God. Talk about Sublime to the Ridiculous. Warrior cuts a really angry promo on Nitro about how Hogan opened the door to Warrior's Hell. Horace volunteers to attack instead of Hulk and gets beaten up, as does Giant, at which point Hogan sneaks up on him, but it backfires as uh, Warrior hits a horrendous shoulder tackle and then knocks Bischoff off the apron to a huge pop. And I, the only thought I have on this, Lee, is boy, that would have been a much cooler ending to that match on the pay-per-view. I know, they had to set him on fire. Yeah. <laughs> God almighty, I keep forgetting about that. Then we have another match that I'm sure Lee was delighted to see. The Cat versus Viano 5. I wrote, I do not have high hopes for this. Uh, Brain has a great crack about Viano 5 who comes out in like a, a kind of a pelt. And Braid says, I appreciate that Viano's gear shows that you can just pick stuff off off the road and wear it. (laughs) 
Uh, Kat does his usual promo, uh, counting to five and threatening fans. Viano doesn't move as soon as Kat turns around. He drop kicks him to start the. It would have been match. funnier if he counted in, in Spanish. It would have been, but the, you know that's the cafe. He's not very good. <laughs> match is shite. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's awful. Like the only thing of note is that the feliner to win the match nearly shoot decapitates Viano five. I was just gonna say that's the only positive of the match is that he actually hits the feliner properly. Yeah, it's the first time it's looked good, but it looked good because I think he actually kicked him in the jaw. Um, he's back on the mic again because we haven't suffered enough. He said, since that didn't take too long, he throws out the challenge to anybody in the crowd again. I'm like, oh God, that'd be bad enough. But then Sonny Ono comes out. I was like, oh God. But Sonny Ono, of note, incredible turquoise suit he's got on here. <laughs> yeah, you could call it incredible, all right. That was the exact colour of my Game Boy colour. So I love it. <laughs> he tries to flatter the cat, but he says he doesn't need him. Or WCW. What he needs is a fight. And as a nice little... This is like a punchline to an SNL sketch, it felt like. Where he's like, I don't need you. I don't need WCW. Sonny takes out a preposterous rake of $100 bills. And Cat immediately says, okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> and that's just the end. Like they're doing a little skit. <laughs> Yep. So after weeks of not acknowledging that Sunyano dumped Kazayashi for the cat, we now get Sunyano coming out to try and get the cat on side. Yeah. Continuity. Indeed, my friend. Next we have the Titanic struggle that was Scott Hall versus Scott Armstrong. Scott getting the better of Scott early in this one. Great Scott. Uh Great Scott, indeed. Uh, Till Hall loses his cool, starts throwing some haymakers at him. It's almost like, it feels like one of those matches, like the infamous uh, Perry Saturn shoot, where it, it felt for a second like, did Scott actually, did Armstrong actually hit Hall and Hall is now annoyed? Because he just starts throwing haymakers yeah. and stomping him in the corner. <laughs> I, I did notice that for some reason he seemed to be actually laying in the haymakers. Yeah. Uh, whips, corner clothesline. Uh, he paintbrushes him, hits the outsider edge, then hits another one and wins. Uh, people were loving that outsider edge, but it was nothing to write home about. No, it's just like, again, like, what was the point of all this? I know, I know. Uh, we go to Nitro again and we get the finish of DDP and Brett, which looked like a decent match. Um, we'll never have maybe... Uh, yeah, we'll never know. Apart from maybe the half arse neutralizer that uh, <laughs> DDP hits. Um, Page goes up top, gets crotched, superplexed by Brett. Small package attempt by Page. Brett continues beating on him in the corner. Corner dodge and a roll up for two by Page. Brett getting frustrated that, uh, and this is something again, it continues the story of Page being so resilient um, and he never backed down from a fight. Brett loses his cool because Paige won't stay down no matter what he does. Gets in the ref's face. Paige is just crawling on the floor towards Brett and trying to pull himself up. Brett attempts a low blow, but he catches the ref as well. Goes outside for to grab his knuckle duster. Misses the punch. Does the comical spin around into the diamond cutter. Paige is the US champion. Um, 
after the after the match because everybody must get their heat back brett immediately attacks page and the ref after the bell first with the duster then with the chair and in what i imagine is going to be the new page's ribs he destroys page's knee with a chair and then puts him in the sharpshooter um so i guess this is a, a wait and see i hope this plays into the kind of next while of page because one of our favorite runs of his was when he was constantly selling the ribs and it mm-hmm. played into every match he had so i'd be looking forward to him trying to do something like that again yeah um yeah it's just again i'm kind of i'm tuned out at this stage because it's just none of it on thunder really kind of mattered um I'm yeah. I'm happy to see Page like they they did right with Page like they, he kind of bounced back properly and they did a good story with that but I don't know why he had to get be beaten down again. It, it it can it shows that to at least some extent they wanted to keep him heated up because he had a big loss on the pay per view mm-hmm. even though he looked great in that loss and the night after they immediately put the secondary title on him. Mm-hmm. So they want so, they want to keep him hot. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, even though, yeah, Brett gets his heat because he beats him down, it's still nice to see that, to some extent, they still at least think they have plans for Paige. So, not all bad for once. Uh, our Thunder main event is here, Lee. Giant versus Raven. Canyon, this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe our only bit of significant plot development on the whole show is uh, that isn't taken from Nitro is Canyon pleading with Raven not to go. Yeah, to I, the ring. I, I love that because again, as I've said before on the show, I'm so into this this Raven story. Mm. And Canyon like just looked so dejected when they yeah. come out for the entrance and he's just yeah. worried. And he asks, like he literally spins Raven around in the entranceway and says, you know, don't do this. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're wondering what's going on with Raven still as well inside his head and something the commentary is putting over really strong that I enjoy is that kind of the unique relationship Raven and Canyon has have because they're they're saying how he's the one guy that wasn't completely brainwashed. He's the one who sought out the flock to join them, mm-hmm. you know, so I that's interesting as well it's, you know it, there's that little bit new of nuance you don't usually get in your wrestling yeah it's like i think keenan says he looks up to raven and i don't know why yeah yeah and it's like that thing of senior hero being destroyed he just he can't he can't deal with it it's like you know that um you know you see somebody just keep going back and getting beaten up and you just eventually you have to walk away yeah Oh, it was yeah. It, it's it's a it's such a it's the only compelling storyline they really have at the moment. It really is like to me like it's the only good thing they have going on at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the streak is the streak, but it's not like you know, it's, I, I, man beats everyone isn't as much of a story story as this is. Um, so Raven tries tries to take Giant down, doesn't go great for him. He tries to dive to the outside, doesn't go great for him. Uh, <laughs> Canyon gives him a chair and he cracks Giant twice in the back with it, uh, which seems to give him an opportunity. And this is, I kind of would have liked Lee a couple more minutes of this where he's like wounding him with weapons mm-hmm. and things like that. I wish he'd gotten him more to the point where you think, I think Raven has him, you know? I don't think it went for long enough to sell the crowd on the idea yeah. that there was a chance Raven would win. Like they, they could have really played up the Raven's rules effect of it all. 
Yeah. Or even because it's Raven's rules, something that might have been interesting for the story they're trying to tell is if Raven isn't particularly fighting him off, but Canyon is busting a gust to interfere and to be maybe he's the one that's hitting giant with everything mm-hmm. um might have been interesting uh, and canyon is busting a gut because when he hands him the chair and as soon as raven gets the chair he's running back around to the other side of the ring and he's getting a table he's putting it in the ring and setting it up uh giant tries to get in canyon desperately holds on to giant's leg so that raven can shake the ropes into his crotch which has to suck um Raven moves him over to the table, sensing he might be weak, but predictably the giant powers out of it, choke slam through the table, and wins. Um, and that is your thunder. <laughs> I suppose the most significant uh, thing is that it's a thunder main event involving someone from the NWO that had a finish. Yeah, God, I'd never even thought of that actually. The streak is broken. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, I suppose summing things up, Lee, what did you think of the show? Who were your winners and losers? Dog shit. <laughs> Honestly, it, this was a tough watch. I watched it all in one. I got through it. But this was this was a tough, tough watch. Um, like, the, the Guerrero-Malenko match was a welcome break halfway through. If we didn't have that match, I might not have made it all the way through. Yeah. But God, this was this was dirt. Like, thankfully, it was only ninety minutes long. Um, God, winners and losers. It's so hard to say anybody comes out with this any better than they went in. Um, like DDP, the DDP stuff, like from the next night on Nitro was good. Like the Raven story continuing even in spite of him losing, mm. is well done. But like other than that, there's just nothing of significance here. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, this show just washed over me. It wasn't like you know you were worrying that I'd absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I absolutely hate it. I think there are thunders that we've watched that were so bad and inconsequential. I wanted to tear my own eyes out. But at least this felt like it went a bit quicker than some of those. Um. So there's that. Um, but yeah, just one of those. It was the classic. This was the second half of a double shot and it wasn't filmed in chronological order. So they didn't mm-hmm. want to put together a show with consequences. But I think because I copped it at the start of the show and you didn't, I think that may be where the difference is. Yeah. I, my expectations went through the floor as soon as I copped that. Um, and so even the fact that we got the Eddie Dean match was like, cool. <laughs> it was something, you know. Um, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga uh, nine matches eight clean finishes one DQ or count out um, yeah that's going to do it for another episode of Days of Thunder we'll be back in two weeks as always and until then everybody stay safe we'll see you then keep in touch with us uh, on Twitter about what you liked what you didn't like we look forward uh, to hearing on from the show. hopefully we always look forward mm-hmm. to hearing from everybody and please do tell a friend see you in two weeks guys Thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners, about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. 
I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the world cast through the years in the International House of Combat to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine and the Truth and Busting Balls. Subscribe now. You won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars